Welcome to Quarantine Seminary with Brother Isom. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Today... I thought we'd just do a little overview of the book of Jacob before we jump into any type of section-by-section walkthrough. I like to give my students a sense of what's coming and what to look for, maybe some overarching themes throughout the whole book. We're actually going to start right at the end of the book. In Jacob 7, some of the final words that Jacob writes are, The time passed away with us, and also our lives passed away, like as it were unto us a dream. We being a lonesome and a solemn people, wanderers cast out from Jerusalem, born in tribulation, in a wilderness, and hated of our brethren, which caused wars and contentions, wherefore we did mourn out our days. At first, that might not make sense to us. Isn't he living in a land of promise? Isn't he a prophet? What is it about Jacob's life that causes him to mourn out his days? Well, he ends up telling us, in fact, in these verses, He says that they were a solemn people, wanderers cast out from Jerusalem, born in tribulation, in a wilderness. Let's start there. Jacob is Sariah and Lehi's first son, born in the wilderness. He never lived in Jerusalem. He never enjoyed the comforts that his brothers longed for during their journey. All he's ever known is wandering. He also says that they were hated of our brethren, which caused wars and contentions. Most of what we get from the conflict among Lehi's sons, we get from the perspective of Nephi, who is a major player in the conflict. What would the story have been like from Jacob's perspective? Most of First and Second Nephi take place before Jacob is old enough to understand what is going on. Jacob probably remembers bits and pieces, flashes of the journey and of his parents. He probably looked up to all of his older brothers despite their problems with each other. He probably fought in wars against his brothers and nephews without even being able to remember the events that led to them fighting. Basically, there's a lot to mourn. Another thing we should know about Jacob is that he, like his father, is a reader and a thinker. In fact, he's one of the most influential thinkers of the Book of Mormon. When Nephi dies, he doesn't inherit Nephi's throne. He's a priest and a teacher. It's important to realize that the Book of Mormon luminary saw Jacob as an influential thinker. Everyone reads Jacob. It helps that the sacred records are passed down through his descendants, but seriously, everyone reads Jacob. Abinadi basically quotes him during his trial. So does King Benjamin. Since Benjamin and Abinadi are the theological founders of the Nephite church, the Almas, the Helamans, the Nephites, they all go back to Jacob. Let's talk a little bit about the structure of Jacob. The structure is fairly straightforward. It helps that it's a short book. Remember that the original chapters of the Book of Mormon were longer than our modern ones, and that we can understand a lot about what the author wants us to understand from their book by paying attention to those original chapters. BYU professor Joseph Spencer says something about Nephi's writings that I think apply to Jacob's as well. So in the following quote, I'm going to substitute Jacob's name for where Spencer writes Nephi's. It's worth pausing on the fact that Jacob so carefully orders and organizes his record. Maybe it shows us he's a tidier thinker than we tend to assume. But what it especially shows us, I think, is that Jacob has purposes we ought to let guide us. That's perhaps something we don't often reflect on as we read scripture. 
We read a little every day, mostly looking for something to touch us, to speak to our everyday life in a way that will help us press on as disciples of Jesus Christ. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But if it's all we do with scripture, we're likely to find that we've silenced the voices of the prophets. Part of what it means to have faith in the prophets is to trust that they have divinely ordained reasons for speaking to us. They aren't just another means to the end of feeling the Spirit and receiving direction for our lives. They're messengers with things we're supposed to come to understand. And that was from Joseph Spencer in his new book, First Nephi, A Brief Theological Introduction with the Maxwell Institute. With that insight, let's try and figure out what Jacob wants us to see. Jacob consists of five original chapters. His chapter one corresponds to our chapter one, and it's Jacob's introduction. His chapter two corresponds to our chapter two and three, and it could be called Jacob's temple discourse. Chapter three, our chapters four and five, is what we know as the allegory of the olive trees. His chapter four is our chapter 6, and it's kind of his first conclusion where he gives this interpretation of the allegory, and it feels like he's ending his record. Then he adds his chapter 5, which is our chapter 7, and it's this story about him and his interaction with a man named Sherem. What do you notice is in the very center of Jacob's book? It's a story about a gardener who will do anything to care for and nourish his tree, even if it's weak or wild. Jacob's takeaway from this story is, How merciful is our God unto us, for he remembereth the house of Israel both roots and branches, and he stretches forth his hand unto them all the day long, and they are a stiff-necked and a gainsaying people, but as many as will not harden their hearts shall be saved in the kingdom of God. He also says, The Lord God showeth us our weakness, that we may know that it is by grace and his great condescension unto the children of men that we have power. One thing that I think we can take away from Jacob's structure, and it's a theme that we'll see over and over again in his book, is the goodness and mercies of God and the weakness of humanity. For Jacob, weakness isn't a bad thing. It's how we come to know grace, and it's how Christ can empathize with us so thoroughly that he can save us. Over and over again, Jacob will look out for the weak and the marginal people in his community and put them right at the center of God's care and concern. Let's pay attention to weakness as we work through Jacob's writing. I think that if we do, we'll be able to see what he wants us to see, and maybe we'll be able to have a little more compassion on our own weakness and the weakness of others in the world. Quarantine Seminary is an independent podcast unaffiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. None of the views expressed here represent the official teaching or position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our music today, as always, was provided by Dallin Isom. Be sure to check out his stuff at SoundCloud.com. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on new content. Until next time, I'm your host, Mason Isom.